Middle of the Pack. Real discussions for the middle of the pack by the middle of the pack. We'll talk about training and racing, but we're here to deep dive into the life topics of the weekend warriors and obstacle course racing enthusiasts. Obstacle course racing isn't just a sport, it's a lifestyle. We are the middle of the pack. Twenty sixteen World's Toughest Mudder in Vegas. My dad wanted to see what it was all about. He said he would volunteer, but he'd probably sleep in his truck most of the night. He volunteered with me for check-in on Friday after meeting so many inspirational runners like cancer survivors and people my dad would call handicapped. He said, if they can go 24, then so can I. And he did. At 71 years old, he stayed on course for 28 hours straight. Everybody loved him. He died of cancer the next year and the Tough Mudder community made a banner and over a hundred people signed it. It meant a lot to me. The banner is above my desk and I look at it every day. Mike Jones, known for his sombrero at Tough Mudder races. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Middle of the Pack podcast, the OCR podcast that brings you, the community, into the discussion. Uh, This week, we are discussing volunteering, the backbone, the lifeblood of OCR, and what really makes these races happen. So I am with my hosts, as usual, uh, Megan Beck. Oh, hey. And Derek Rosansky. What's up? So guys, as we've been posting for the past couple of days on social media, we've been asking everybody about their volunteer stories, their input on it, and the amount of response we have gotten has been pretty tremendous. It's been overwhelming. For real. We cannot thank you guys enough for it. Seriously. The amount of people who have given us their stories, shared their advice with us. So we're hoping to really, I mean, we're going to have some input but a lot of this is really coming from the community and it's a lot of good stuff and hope and we even have stuff from Spartan themselves about their volunteers so this is going to be pretty good i have volunteered several times i actually most of my early obstacle racing career if we want to call them careers was uh funded by volunteering for mostly Spartan races when they allowed us to use the elite code derek i know you have volunteered a good amount as well yeah, I mean, I volunteered Spartan, Rugged Maniac, Savage, um, pretty much any race that I've done more than once or twice I've volunteered for because I'm a broke-ass bitch. I mean, aren't, aren't we all in most OCRs? Megan, do you have any volunteering experience? I'm going to be honest. I have not volunteered at any races like most people have volunteered at races. My overall race story begins. After the Boston Marathon bombings, I did decide to uh, volunteer in Philadelphia at the Broad Street Run a couple months later, just to kind of stand in solidarity with Boston, because if you love me, I love the city of Boston, and I live here now. Um, and just seeing those runners as I volunteered wanted or encouraged me to get into running myself. Um, but now my volunteering with races is done instead with writing workouts of the day for Spartan, writing content. I've helped out at SGX Coaching Zones, workout tours, and a lot of the stuff that I do for Spartan, they do pay me in races. They've just given me a season pass instead of like a race code, but I have every intention to volunteer more now that I'm focusing on quality of races instead of quantity 
I want to still go out to races so I can volunteer when I'm not running. Well, I mean, you've had like the experience that a lot of people haven't, which is like volunteering at their SGX events, the stuff outside. I know that is a very like narrow field of people who have that. But real quick, I wanted to go around and Megan will probably adjust the question for you. Derek, what's been your favorite aspect about volunteering? I mean, for me, I mean, like I said, uh, I'm a broke ass bitch. So my main purpose of why I volunteer is to strictly cover my race costs to actually, you know, get race entry or get it at a discount or cheaper rate. So, I mean, that's really the only reason why I personally volunteer. I know everyone volunteers for a little bit different reasons, um, but really that's the only reason why. But I also volunteered more recently in the past, you know, two years so I can be at a particular obstacle all day so that I can either practice it or do like tutorial videos for my YouTube channel. But really that's, you know, the whole reason why I volunteers, you know, more or less just to cover my race entry because I don't have a lot of money to put up for that stuff. So that's pretty much it. I mean, that's not a bad reason. That's kind of how I started. I initially started running or started volunteering just to cover my cost as well. Cause I mean, it was only like the $15 waiver fee just to get into uh, the elite waves. But as it kind of went on, I enjoyed volunteering to actually help out the community. Cause I would run elite in the morning and then I would go out in the open wave and I would, I, for some reason I was always stuck at walls. I don't know what that was. I would always end up at a wall obstacle and that's the worst. I don't know if it's the worst because you get to help a lot of people and that's always really fun because you come across people who haven't like they're like, oh, I don't know how to even if it's a six like the six foot wall, I think is the, the first not the hurdles, but the Spartans like six foot wall, the next one up. Right, right. There where it's people like, oh, I've just never done a wall. And you just kind of like do, you know, the wall sit pose and you help them up and over and they're just so gr- like they're super grateful about it. And it's really nice to watch someone kind of like conquer that part of their life they've never come across before like i could never do a wall and even if it's with assistance i mean it's a new experience for them to change the question for megan megan has there ever been an instance where you've had a great volunteer experience you'd want to highlight the one volunteer experience that really stands out to me and i'm definitely that person that like i try to thank volunteers as i run past i've never really been somebody that's asked for help or needed help or you know, tried to sit and have conversations with volunteers. Unfortunately, um, I'll talk to volunteers after the fact, but usually on course, I'm out there doing what I come to do. But I do remember actually Killington in 2019. I was running an age group and anybody who was out there, they remember how wet and cold it was. It was absolutely miserable. I had gotten to the multi-rig. I was on my, obviously the last obstacle. I was freezing cold in you know a tank top and shorts with a buff and everything's just soaking wet frozen and i um chicken winged across the entire multi-rig like chicken winged those rings across the bar i grabbed on to the rope i swung and i hit the bell and i knew the volunteer who was there monitoring and sending people off to the ropey pit and he's cheering me on the entire way And as soon as I hit the bell, he starts screaming and he gives me a high five because we could give high fives at the time. Said, Megan, you are the only the fourth female I've seen all day to beat this obstacle. And without him there cheering me on, I don't know that I could have beaten that obstacle. And I tell you, I would have not have been able to finish 30 burpees with how cold I was. 
him being there and cheering me on was the difference between like me making it over the fire and not because I don't think I could have made it to that fire jump, you know, a couple of feet away. I think that's been like the common thread through a lot of these stories I've seen is like the difference a energetic volunteer can actually make. Like they can they can change a race completely. 100%. And I've seen a lot of like that's actually a lot of the advice I've seen coming in from other people is like just a not just a care but like uh you know, have some energy, be part of it. But um Let's dive deep into what exactly each race brand is looking for. Let's talk about what Spartan wants from their volunteers, what Savage wants from their volunteers, Tough Mudder. Guys, let's just go deep into it. What do we know about Spartan and um, their volunteer policies? So we know Spartan has a bunch of different, uh, they have a bunch of different stations you can really work at. And when you volunteer, when you sign up to volunteer, you kind of just go online, go to their race, sign up for the notifications. And once they have it done, uh, once they announce them, you got to really be, you got to be quick to grab your favorite station because it is first come first serve type deal. And as we know, they're not like you're, if you want an obstacle, those are going to be the, some of the ones that go first. If you want to be on the kids race, those are going to go really fast as well. But we do know like build crew is open to a lot of different spots. Same with festival crew. When you do sign up for Spartan volunteers, you all, you obviously get, a free race. That's like the well-known thing. And then on top of that, you get your lunch, you get some water, uh, you get a t-shirt. If you're there for the full day, you get a vest or a hoodie. And we do know the drawbacks of some of that. Like there are some issues in the past that have come with Spartan. So what constitutes a full day? According to Spartan's details, it's an eight and a half hour shift. Okay. But what if I can't volunteer for that full day? Uh, personally, I have worked shorter shifts. I've cut it by a couple hours, but that's just because I've asked whoever was in charge of my station. I was like, Hey, I got to cut out at this time. And then if they haven't come to pick me up, I'm, I've walked off of tuxedo. <laughs> I've been towards the top near the bucket care and I just walked down and out of the festival because I was done. There are some instances where people have been stuck at like the top of one of the mountain races for a while, but that, uh, and you're kind of just waiting to be brought back. When that's kind of, you know, playing devil's advocate here in terms of going over Spartan and their volunteering, that's something that's been kind of an issue. I know with a lot of people um, in the past in terms of the actual shift times, because it's supposed to be an eight and a half hour shift, right? Uh, I know, you know, personally, I run into a lot of issues where it's supposed to be eight and a half hours and I'm sitting there at an obstacle, like you said, Charles, at the, you know, at the top of a mountain somewhere and I'm supposed to be leaving for my shift and I haven't heard from my coordinator or my zone leader, whatever you want to call it. And I end up being at an obstacle or at a station for, you know, 10 plus hours. Or it seems like, you know, more recently within the last one or two years, they ask you to stay you know, an extra two or three hours, and then you don't get any extra compensation for it. So I know that's something that's changed in the past couple of years and why people have had a lot of issues with Spartan volunteering within the last couple of years is that some things got better and other things got worse. The big thing that got worse being that time slot. But on the flip side, some things that got better is what you said, you know, you get like food and snacks. Um, that's something that used to be a really sour spot with me when I, you know, used to volunteer for Spartan probably like four or five years ago. You'd get the shittiest peanut butter and jelly sandwich and like a little baby water. Now you actually get 
a less shitty sandwich. It's like, I mean, it's like a little sub and you get some chips and like an apple and stuff. And the zone leaders have been better, but that's one thing they actually got better was with food, but they, it seems like they've gotten worse with their time slots. And that seems to be a lot of people's complaint right now with Spartan volunteering is that time slot. And that's funny you say that because actually um, we did have somebody online bring up one of the ways that they think Spartan could get better is that they did just change those volunteer shifts from an eight hour shift to an eight and a half hour shift. Um, it would be awesome if they didn't continue try to extend the day. But I also think that a part of that is the lack of volunteers. And um, obviously, they're just trying to make sure that they have enough people to cover the course. And unfortunately, if they don't get the number of volunteers they need, they rely a little too heavily on the volunteers that they are getting. Now, it also should be mentioned that you can work half shifts with Spartan for half a day. You do get a uh, discounted race in the um, in the future. It is not that full race code, but say you can walk off of a race course and you know be sitting around waiting your friend for your friend who's going to finish the ultra, or you know if you're a age group racer and you have friends, family running an open. You can go out onto the course as a volunteer. So just go ahead, walk up to that volunteer tent and say, hey, what can I do to help? And they will give you a shift and you can volunteer for a couple hours during the day. I think that is something they definitely need to stress more of. Is that like, yeah, you can do shorter shifts, especially on the day. And I actually think that should be something that should be well marketed is like, I mean, all race, all race companies should do that is because we've all been standing around at races. So if you can work like even just three hours as a volunteer, I'm not necessarily expecting anything in return. I just kind of want to help out the race. 100%. And actually, since you bring that up, that makes me think of NORAM OCRWC. I mean, year over year, we've been running the team race or we'll be out on course later in the day during like the 15k and we'll actually come up to an obstacle and we'll see pro racers i think what jesse bruce won the top volunteer on the mud run guide awards in 2019 he volunteered at the rec bag carry at noram um during the 15k and i think i don't know how often he volunteers so I don't want to discredit at all his award because that is amazing that he's volunteering. That he was not the only pro volunteering at yeah. that race. He was definitely the most vocal of them, cheering people on. And mm -hmm. to get pros, age group racers, people that are more identifiable on a course or in the festival area, handing out medals, it is going to boost the morale of all of the racers. It's incredible to see. And we need to continue to stress to people, yes, you can get off of the course and you can go volunteer. You can still put a smile on somebody's face and your spirit can help carry them to the finish line. Yeah, I think uh, we lost a little bit of that camaraderie where you would see a lot of, even before like we started labeling pros in the OCR, you would see a lot of elite racers volunteering at Spartan just because they couldn't race that race, but they would be doing it because 
but at the time Spartans codes could be used for the elite wave. Mm-hmm. So you would see a lot of, I mean, you would see me or Derek volunteering at a race. You would see anybody who would normally see running elite, even if we are just like not top finishers, but we're just trying to pay for our series. And that's, I think that that's kind of gotten away from the sport because we can't use it anymore. So it's end up not using our time for that race. I would love it if Spartan would put into their pro contract, um, you need to volunteer X amount of hours on a race course. Because I think it would help just improve the overall spirit of the racers, especially like imagine, you know, you are out on the Killington Ultra and you are struggling to hit that cutoff time. And then there you see Ryan Atkins or, you know, Lindsay Webster cheering you on at Twister and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, let's keep doing this. They're still here. They're cheering me on. I am going to beat this. Uh, Bracken Cracker used to do that. He used to hang out like a good mile ahead of the finish line. Bracken Cracker. What did you call him? Bracken Cracker. (laughs) (laughs) Do you not know? Bracken Cracker. Bracken Cracker. He's from Wisconsin. Of course I know who he is. He used to hang out a good mile ahead of like the finish line cheering people. I mean, kind of going on what you were saying, Charles, too, I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, the volunteer coordinators and like zone coordinators have been asking people to stay so much later is because back in, what was it, like 2017, 2018, when they changed those volunteer codes so that they can only work for afternoon waves, everybody lost their minds. Everyone pretty much like lost their shit. And they lost a lot of volunteers because like you said, pretty much half of the elite wave would volunteer at pretty much every race so that they could pay for their next race. Uh Right. And then when they changed that, they lost a big majority of their volunteers. And those were actually the people you wanted volunteering because they knew what they were doing. They knew how to give advice and guidance on how to complete obstacles. And when they changed those guidelines, they lost a ton of their volunteers because people like myself said, well, you know, why waste, you know, nine or 10 hours of my day volunteering if it isn't going to even cover my race entry or if it's only going to give me like basically a discount because then you have to pay to upgrade. Now, I I don't know if it was months or the following season after they did change it so that it at least included morning waves because it was just afternoon and then they made it include morning waves, but you still have to pay that upgrade fee. Yeah. The upgrade fee, I think it's like 35 or $40 plus insurance. So it still ends up being anywhere between like, 40 to like $60, I believe. So ended up losing a ton of volunteers over that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It becomes a, do I want to just pay the full race or do I just want to give my time like type deal? You're kind of like, is my time worth this anymore? Um, and actually that definitely that brings up a big point about like having the elites, the elite runners, the people who are familiar with the races on course, because after that was around the time we ended up, I think, with the official like course marshal uh, for Spartan race. Um, a lot of the times it used to just be a blue shirt, I think, which was the staff. Mm-hmm. And now we actually have like people who are in charge of the courses, like the that obstacle at the time. And it's that's been a hot topic of debate because as Spartan has made more money, we've wanted them to have official, like actual official, paid officials, people who know the sport. Um but I did reach out and head of Spartan volunteering, Danielle Elizabeth, direct volunteers of Spartan. Um, she gave me insight on what the Marshall criteria is now. It's 
uh, our core to and complete the obstacles without failure. We have a user-friendly training course set up online. Volunteers that want to be a course marshal can complete the training online and become certified right away. Um, Derek, you've course marshaled before, right? Yeah, so I've course, well, I mean, honestly, every time I've volunteered for Spartan, nine times out of 10, it's actually been for a course marshal, um, usually because they request me to be a marshal versus a regular volunteer. Because they, I mean, they do their due diligence in that they do want someone who's either you know, run elite or knows all the obstacles and the rules for everyone over someone who's just like a weekend warrior that doesn't really know anything. The problem is kind of what we said earlier is they lost a lot of their like quote unquote elite volunteers. And, you know, they can say all they want in terms of they want that out of a marshal and you have to watch the video, but it's not a requirement. And that's why, you know, people go into that big debate of having paid marshals because, you know, people that are marshalling are just your regular everyday racer that may or may not know the rules of the obstacle or, you know, what have you. So it is kind of becoming a big issue. We'll kind of hit on the whole marshalling and, you know, paid marshals versus volunteers a little bit later on here um, in the discussion. But that does kind of bring up, you know, a good segue into, you know, volunteering for another company, which is Savage. Uh, now, for those who know me, no, I do have a little bit of bias when it comes to Spartan versus Savage. Um, I am much more of a savage fanboy, if you want to call it. But I've definitely volunteered for both, and I've volunteered for actually more for Spartan Race than I have for Savage. But I do want to kind of want to bring in, uh, I talked to Chun. For those who don't know Chun, Chun is kind of like an OG in the OCR community. He's been doing OCR long before I ever was, I think probably since back in like 2011, 2012. So he's done a ton of volunteering for pretty much every brand. But he you know, thinks that personally Savage is actually the best brand to volunteer um, with currently. And it's because unlike Spartan who has transitioned to, you know, their, um, their volunteer codes only working for, you know, morning or afternoon waves and you have to upgrade for the elite Savage is still offering their volunteer codes to, you know, to work with their pro waves. Uh, and that's a big thing. That's why they still have a lot of volunteers and just like how Spartan used to be, a lot of the volunteers later on in the day in the afternoon waves for Savage Race are all people who ran in the pro wave earlier. Because a really big draw for them is that you can actually pay for your race, finish your race for pro wave, and then go and volunteer, and then you get a reimbursement back for that race that you paid for. And one thing that they did change for 2021 is that it is now $15 versus free like it used to be in prior years. I actually didn't know that until earlier this morning looking at it but that is something that you know chun really did say why he likes you know working for savage so much is that one you do get a code that covers any kind of wave that you want to run but two it's actually easier to kind of coordinate because that's the you know big thing that is really difficult with spartan especially when your course marshal is you know having people go through the obstacles counting their burpees going back and watching video that you know it you know it ends up taking hours upon hours to get all the results versus savage just the way that the race is structured, when you have, you know, bands over burpees, it's just easier to kind of, you know, watch those racers and kind of say, all right, you either passed or failed. It just makes it a little bit easier. So that's one thing that, you know, why he really likes Savage over Spartan in the past couple of years. You know, whereas, you know, four or five years ago, he actually liked Spartan volunteering more. So it's kind of seen that transition change. Uh, side note, if you haven't listened to our episode, Bands Over Burpees, you really should, because we hit on so much more about the bands over burpees debate 
And this is just one topic that we actually did not cover in that discussion. Smooth plug. The uh, <laughs> <laughs> Always plugging. Yeah. Um, Derek, to circle back, because I think I've, I've yet to volunteer for Savage. I've signed up and like my timing just never worked out. I was usually signing up for like uh, build crew or teardown. But how quick is that reimbursement for signing up to run in the morning and then volunteering in the afternoon? Is it like something that takes like a couple days or do they just straight up hand you the cash that, that day? So for me, I mean, I always pay with credit cards. So usually you get that back in usually like five to seven business days. So it's not immediate, but at the same time, you know, it's coming in. Rachel Hunt, she's the volunteer coordinator for Savage. She's absolutely phenomenal. So if you have any questions, you know, she always tells you to reach out directly to her email. She's very responsive when it comes to that stuff. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I know a lot of people do like volunteering um, for Savage is actually because of how their volunteer, their volunteer coordinators are, uh, specifically with Rachel. I mean, that's actually something that Chun didn't mention is that she's very good in terms of, you know, being very lenient in terms of, you know, if I have to, you know, if, if I have to leave, you know, 20 minutes early or I'm going to be a little bit late or, th you know, things like that, she understands we're all human. And I think that's sometimes where the disconnect is with Spartan sometimes. I know he mentioned that sometimes it seems like the volunteer uh, coordinators as you know as what everyone calls them the kind of like the blue shirts at spartan seem to talk down to volunteers sometimes now i don't know if that's recent because i haven't volunteered for spartan in the last like year and a half but it does seem it gets a much more laid back and just a better morale at savage within the last couple of years over spartan whereas it used to kind of be the opposite yeah i think in 2017 is the last time i volunteered for spartan and i never experienced actually in the whole time i've volunteering i've never experienced like any uh any blue shirt you know spartan staff talking down to me they've always been kind of on the level so i don't mm -hmm. know if it's like he just had that one or two bad experiences but um i've never actually experienced spartan staff kind of talking down to me one thing i think people also don't realize is at least from what from what i've talked to blue shirts before um not all of them are really employed with Spartan for long-term. A lot of them have contracts that are specifically for events right? or they're only contracted for X number of events. They are not Spartan HQ staff. They are event staff um, that don't necessarily always work with Spartan corporate. It is just, you know, venue specific. So the demeanor is going to change race over race, depending on who's there and their experiences. Right, exactly. And I mean, I never really honestly had any bad experience with Spartan either. I mean, I was just more so sharing, right. yeah. but, you know, what Chun said and, and what his experiences were. I mean, I've always had pretty good experiences with, you know, direct Spartan staff with, you know, Jess Franco and Danette and Woody and, you know, all those guys and all the zone leaders. And I've always had pretty good experiences. They always, you know, do their best. It's just they're kind of working with what they have to work with, which nine times out of 10 is, you know, two volunteers for 15 spots. And that's what kind of runs things into the ground a little bit. Add in, because you mentioned Danette and Jess Franco. Um, they are one of those blue shirt Spartan staff per event. They're actually one of the few paid marshals. So they have worked their way up from volunteering through the marshal ranks to the point where Spartan does contract them out for a race event. So that blue shirt is just, they are getting paid for that day as opposed to just being like a course marshal. 
but they also don't work directly with Spartan on a day-to-day basis, um, or at least to my understanding, they don't. They are hired help, so to speak. Well, I think I love how Savage does it with that whole reimbursement. Um, I have talked to a bunch of other people and actually looking into Tough Mudder, it looks like they also do something of the similar. So reading directly from the Tough Mudder website, um, the volunteer discount explained is that if you volunteer for a full day, you can run a future event for free. If you volunteer for a half day shift, you can run a future event for 60% discount. Volunteer at a regional toughest event or world's toughest will receive discount off of a competitive event. And I'll get to a little bit more on that in a second. But then they offer reimbursement if you purchase your ticket and run before your volunteer shift. You can complete a refund form at Volunteer HQ when you check out for your shift. So when you volunteer for one of the regular um, tougher or Tough Mudder events, the Tough Mudder Classic or the Tough Mudder 5K, um, your free or your discounted entry is only for a Tough Mudder 5K. It doesn't um, count towards any of the competitive events. But then with the uh, helping out at the regional toughest, world's toughest mutter, those then can be used directly towards a competitive event, but they do not give the 100%. In fact, speaking with Mike Jones, the guy who shared his story at the beginning, um, if you guys don't know Mike, he is very well known in the Tough Mudder community. Again, he's always wearing that sombrero. He loves to give the biggest, muddiest hugs. Um, He's actually volunteered more for Tough Mudder than he's actually ran Tough Mudder. So um, he says that he has ran or he's volunteered for almost 60 Tough Mudder shifts. Um, he has volunteered the full 24 hours at World's Toughest Mudder five times. Um, and then he's only ran like 10 Tough Mudders in his history. It's absolutely incredible. He is not in it for the free race. He is there 100% for the community. And I absolutely love that. He said he has actually volunteered for four different companies as well. Um, directly from his words, I've done, only done multiples for Tough Mudder. So every other race brand, he's only volunteered once. Tough Mudder had been my family through some of the hardest times of my life. I love every moment I can be with my orange team. Tough Mudder has the best treatment of volunteers. They encourage fun and give good quality lunches with snacks like Panera sandwiches and chips, coffee and bagels in the morning, and the staff checks in on us multiple times with water and if we need a bathroom break. Other companies have given us plain cheese sandwiches, an apple, and a bottle of water for an eight-hour shift, and if you need to use the bathroom, they encourage you to use a bush. Um, He also finished off by saying that he hopes that the – the increased treatment of volunteers will then continue on now that they have been taken over by the new Spartan management. Not that we have direct insight, but I definitely think that's actually going to stay under like the Tough Mudder because it seems like Tough Mudder is still kind of running their own. They're running their own business still because they have their own separate social media and stuff like that. So they're not like being co co promoted with Spartan. So I think that is going to stay that way, but it is interesting to like hear that input on Tough Mudder because I've, 
honestly have I've I have never run a Tough Mudder. I've only heard stories from it, and I've had a lot of friends who have run Tough Mudders, and most of them haven't even volunteered. A lot of them have just been there as a pit crew for World's Toughest Mudder events. So I think it's pretty incredible that he has volunteered for Toughest World's Toughest Mudder five times. Because at the, t- the 28 hour shift, that's a lot. That's he's done more volunteering on 24 hour races than I've run 24 hour races. And I thought I've run a good amount. Uh, yeah. So I think that's pretty incredible. He said he's actually, his volunteer shifts for those 24 hour races were actually 28 hours. Mm-hmm. That's, that is absolutely insane. Yeah. I mean, some people are just straight dedicated to like the volunteer life. Like kind of like you were saying, I know there's so many people that I don't even know their name, but I literally see them at every single race, whether that be, you know, they volunteer all Spartan or they volunteer all Savage or both where you don't even maybe, you know, know their name, but they volunteer every single race and they don't even race. They just volunteer because they like to genuinely cheer people on and help people and just kind of be a part of the community. One person um, in particular, I'm kind of going to give them a shout out here real quick. I, I may mispronounce this because I only met you once or twice. Um, her name is Mish, Mish, Mish. Um, but people probably either have seen her or know exactly who it is. If you are on a course at Spartan and see someone passing out Sour Patch Kids, that's her. She has done pretty much every single East Coast Spartan race that I think I've ever been to. And I don't think she races at all. She literally just goes just to be a part of the community and kind of just you know cheer everybody on. You know, that's honestly what the sport needs more of in terms of volunteer or just people like that. Christina from Facebook actually reached out and gave us a little bit of insight. She said one of the most awesome things to experience is to be the volunteering when the last racer of the day comes through and everyone is cheering them over the last obstacles and lines the finish line to cheer their finish. It is truly amazing experience to be a part of. Uh, one of my last volunteering experiences was I was a course sweeper on the New Jersey uh, Ultra Beast Beast Weekend on the Sunday. Um, if anybody doesn't know what course sweeping is, you literally start like 15 minutes after the last wave. So you're like starting at like 2 p.m. in the afternoon on a Sunday or if you're doing the Saturday shift. And your job is to not like be right behind the final racers, but your job is to go through and clear out the the course markings and all this stuff. You're picking up a lot of the extra trash. Um, it's not a bad gig. Uh, if you want some good course training that you're like, you know, if you're training for Vermont and you want some good course training, sign up for one of those mountain races and be a course sweeper. But um, I've, so I've been there when you're there with the last racers. And I think it shows some of the best parts of Spartan volunteers and Spartan, uh, Spartan marshals and all the staff is they will sit there, and even if it's past cutoff, they will sit there and stretch and flex their time to get those final people to finish. Um, and it is a pretty amazing experience because it's these people who have been out there for, like, they've been on course for hours, and they're not having the best time. But as a volunteer, you're, and especially if you've done a race already and you're sweeping, it no longer becomes like, oh, I got to take these markings down. You kind of just start being the usher and cheerleader for those people to finally get across. And it is really a like truly amazing experience as Christina said, because you get to watch these people accomplish something that they haven't done before, or they've really struggled to finish. Yeah. In fact, um, Kelly on Instagram, she's been awesome. She's been reaching out a lot, answering for all of our feedback. She said, one of my favorite parts of OCR is the community. And that is why I try to volunteer whenever possible. I have had awesome volunteers that have offered a kind word or support at just the right moment. And I hope to be that for someone else. 
At the 2019 Super in New Jersey, I raced solo and at one point got to the inverted wall without a person in sight. I raced open, but I had always gotten help when I got to this obstacle. Without any real reason, this awesome volunteer had such blind faith that I could do this and cheered me on as if I was an elite racer that was going to fly through this. Coupled with the video I watched from the OCR trainer, I think I know that person. I actually got over it first try. And I and so when I volunteer, I always hope to provide the encouragement that make a difference for other racers. Exactly. That's kind of exactly what I was talking about, where that's part of the stuff I've felt when volunteering at obstacles. You really actually do you you get to change that person's life. Um, even if it is just for getting over a six foot wall, something that a lot of us may be able to be especially a lot of us who are avid racers is something we can usually do, but to watch someone accomplish it, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible. Speaking of making an impact, we have a story from John Brown, who is a racer and volunteer up here in the Northeast. Um, And his story is really something special. So we wanted him to tell it in his own words. So here you go. In May, 2018, I was given a great place to go. I was asked to volunteer at the finish line, handing out t-shirts. And that was at the Treasure Valley Campground in Charlton, Mass. The day went as it usually did. You know, I was there with my energy, which I always have. Anyone that knows me as I volunteer, my energy is real. It's sincere. I want you to succeed. I want you to finish. And I want to celebrate with you as you do. As people were coming up to the finish, after they were finished, I should say, they were coming up and they were getting their their t-shirts after getting their medal. Some looked exhausted, others looked excited, others were friends just, you know, doing things together. They were also lone individuals walking up to get their t-shirt. All the while, I was there, like a carnival barker, like a popcorn or beer barker at the at the ballpark. T-shirts here? Get your free spot and finish your t-shirts here? The people I was volunteering with thought I was a little crazy, but they loved my energy. As the day went on, I, of course, didn't lose my energy, kept going, same way. T-shirts here? And it was raining wasn't really a great day. And this gentleman starts walking out the gate towards the finisher shirt area. And he's got this content, satisfied, just this incredible look on his face. And my guess is he was about 55 to 60, somewhere in that range. And he was slowly walking up, hands on his hips, got to the counter. And I said, what size is yours today, sir? He looks back and says, I'll take a medium today. I said, just so happens, I have the shirt they just made for you. See right here on the back, it says finisher. They made this one just now, just for you. The smile on his face could not have gone any brighter. He looked at me, he went to take the shirt, put in his right hand to shake mine, and says, you have no idea how much that means to me. A year ago, I was diagnosed with stage four cancer. I've been undergoing radiation and chemotherapy to help it go away. I'm now in remission. That words to me really got me excited. I was so happy for him. He's still holding my hand, by the way. He's shaking my hand really hard. He says, I told my doctor I want to do a Spartan race. He said, I'm not really sure that's a great thing, but if you want to go do it, give it a shot. And he goes, here, I get out here today. I give it my all, and I finished. I get to the finish line, and who's here but you to greet me? He goes, my day couldn't have gone better. I want to thank you for being here today and doing what you do. I won't lie. The volunteers who were with me were both bawling, and I had some tears in my eye myself because it was just one of those moments unexpected, but just happens. This is the life of a volunteer at a Spartan race or any OCR event that happens. If you volunteer with all your heart, 
you'll get all the heart in return. I highly recommend becoming a volunteer at an OCR event. I think this is really an inspirational story. This is one of those whys that people volunteer. And John is a good friend of mine. He has told me this story a time or two. And he says that it's these interactions that keep him coming back as a volunteer. And I think, yes, a lot of people do get started volunteering specifically for that race code. But there are so many other people like Mike who have volunteered more than they have actually ran a race. And I think it's important to give those people the highlights and explain why exactly they are volunteering. Yeah, and I mean, kind of going into that, you know, just like you said, a lot of people, you know, go into it and volunteer strictly for, you know, a race code or free race, but other things come out of it. Like I know for me personally, you know, I know pretty much every single you know, Savage Race employee strictly because I started volunteering for them. Uh, that's how I got so close to, you know, I know the, you know, the volunteer coordinator, Rachel. I know the Birch Tank Girl, Jess, you know, Sam Abbott, who's the CEO. I mean, you have a lot of other, you know, increased opportunities when you start to get more involved, you know, doing volunteering and doing other things behind the scenes with the race brands and, and with the companies. That's something you don't fully expect going into it, but that's something that I've kind of gotten and taken away from it is, yeah, I went in for the free race code, but I've gotten a lot of more other opportunities and things because of that. So, I mean, everyone kind of has their why, but sometimes you end up with things other than, you know, why you go into it. And th this is a great place to bring up our friend um, Sam Hopper across the pond in England. Sam actually was talking to me about his experiences with Tough Mudder. And in 2019, he was named um, the top MVP. And MVP is what Tough Mudder calls their volunteers. And um, that's obviously just the Mudder most valuable players or persons. Um, so he won that award in 2019. And I think this is a great place to play his insights. So my... Tough Mudder journey started in 2017. Uh, I was suffering a family bereavement and I was, um, I was suffering mainly with depression and anxiety. And um, one of my friends, Helen Harper, who's a very famous, um, very famous Tough Mudder uh, UK legionnaire, uh, who just so happened to be my uh, club of size and insanity instructor, and she offered me the invitation to uh, join this uh, fabulous community um, in January 2017. So I originally agreed to do um, the UK Northwest event. I wanted to go and see it for myself. So then she was telling me about volunteering. She said, love it. So I signed up for my first volunteer shift at um i think it's henley i think it was london west and i was in the start time 10 well that was just like the best day ever because i made friends um instantly with everyone i came into so then after that i thought well i feel really comfortable and i feel really safe and i feel really included with everyone so i did my first tough mudder uh, a few months earlier uh, with my volunteer code that I earned, um, I uh, ran Midlands, which is where uh, 
Europe's Toughest Mudder is held each year. And in my first season, I did three events. So I got my blue headband, which I was absolutely made up with. What attracted me about the volunteering is that you get to uh, really help each other out and work well as a team. Um, You get to meet uh, a wide variety of people from different walks of life, uh, both on course and um, within um, the volunteer team that you're you're with as well. You get to know uh, you get to know a lot of people because they take time out of their day, the time out of their run to spend five minutes at least with you and stop and chat with you. And then the main theme that I found that drew people to events like this was because they were suffering with mental health. So that's when uh, mid-season through 2018, it was my time to give something back to the community that really helped me. So that was when I created the Mudder Minds community. I created that because one of the benefits of volunteering is, as I said, you get to speak to so many people and uh, we have the benefit, well, we did have the benefit in the UK of having camping. So you you had both the uh, Tough Mudder, both the community that are on course, but also the community that are like a family uh, within the camping bit. And... Um, so yes, I created the Mudder Mind space and I didn't know how many people it helped, not only in the UK, but also uh, we've got people in there from Australia, we've got people in there from New Zealand and good old stateside where you lot are too. So in 2019, I didn't know it yet, but um, I, I signed up. From, I attended all UK events. I volunteered at every single one of them. And uh, the excitement of winning that award was just... Or being even nominated. Let's go for the nominating bit first. So being nominated by everyone was absolutely amazing because I was up against some absolute legends. I was up against your good self, Sandy. And um, I um, was just flabbergasted by how many votes I got and how many votes I won. And it oh, it was just absolutely incredible. Um, it was amazing. So, yeah, after talking with Sam a little bit, it turns out that one thing he didn't even know was when he was nominated, um, there were 600 other people that were nominated for Volunteer of the Year. And then a group of six Tough Mudder employees and ambassadors actually narrowed it down to the six who were then um, voting on this award. So he went on and won it. Um, I think his group is amazing. Um, Mudder Minds, you guys should all check them out. They really help to boost mental health awareness across Tough Mudder Nation. Um, and then speaking of Sam... I met Sam through Sandy Ree from the New England Spartans, and she went on to talk a little bit more about Sam and her stories. And she said that she volunteers on a local basis and helps out during builds, registration, on-course teardowns, etc. But Sam actually helps on a global level. He started his group in the UK, but it truly is a glo- as global as he says. Through that group, he has changed and saved lives ways beyond any race course. Um, no one deserves the recognition and thank, and thanks Sam has gotten more than him. So he is one of those people who took volunteering for 
the race brand that he loves. And he has really started changing lives because of it, not just on the race course, but out in everyday world. And I think it's truly inspiring. It's great to see Tough Mudder directly acknowledging some of their favorite volunteers, especially by giving him the award. Uh, speaking of like companies knowing and seeing their volunteers, because a lot of them, a lot of times we just think, oh, they just see us kind of hanging around and helping to get a free race. I actually have a story from Danielle, who is the Spartan volunteer coordinator. And she actually has a story she wanted to share about uh, her favorite moment with a volunteer. At one race in particular, a gentleman had emailed me prior to the event. He was going through a very rough time in his life. He lost his job and was going to lose his home soon. He wasn't in a very good place, needless to say. He really wanted to volunteer so he could get a discounted race because he loved Spartan. He wouldn't have been able to race if it weren't for the volunteer program and allowing volunteers to race for free. They only have to pay the 14 racer insurance fee, which is standard across the board for all racers. He came up to me almost in tears when he checked out from the sh his shift to go race. He was so grateful. It really makes racing at Spartan events an affordable option for those who don't have the extra money in their budget to pay full price. It really gives the people a strong community, not only in Spartan, but in the Spartan volunteer community. And I think that's pretty great because it does put into pr perspective that like, sure, all of us race for the free code, but to a lot of people, the ability to afford to do these events and get away from the struggles in their life is something that a lot of people don't really think about. And so it's nice to see actually like the race company themselves are aware of it as well. Yeah, definitely. And that story, it, it sounds so similar to Mike, who we started the show off with. He was homeless. He was living in his car. He was a vet. Um, he saw an ad for Tough Mudder on Facebook and saw that there were volunteer options, and he simply volunteered just to see if it was worth running. Now, obviously, we've talked. He is he volunteers more than he actually runs. But for him, volunteering was simply just a way to see if this is something for him and maybe to check it out. And now it's pretty much a way of life for him. He's gotten so many more opportunities, and he's really started building his life back up and um, the race was such a big part of that. So volunteering is bigger than just a free race code. It has turned into a livelihood for so many people. And it's so inspiring to hear these stories over and over again. Everybody comes from a different place, but their love for the sport, their love for the brands, and their love for the community is what ultimately keeps them coming back. Yeah, it's funny to think about these races that uh, it's really... A lot of people, a lot of us who run these, it's like a race that will end up tearing us down at some point because it's an extra struggle. But for some people in certain life situations, it is a race to actually rebuild themselves on. So it gives them this opportunity to find themselves, especially in like some of their darker places. 100%. And I think I know when I got into this sport, I always told myself, you know, I was going to go out and run open. I was just going to go have fun. And if I ever thought that, it was no longer fun if I put too much pressure on myself with competitiveness or anything else, then it's not for me anymore. And hearing the volunteer stories explaining why they love to do this, just how much fun they are having, it puts a whole new level of enjoyment into this sport. All right. So, I mean, those are people's, you know, wise and some personal stories about their volunteer experiences. But, you know, speaking about volunteering again, you know, as a basic whole, you know, how do we go about getting volunteer experience and everything? Like, how do we 
you know, make that better? What are some things that we can improve upon to either make volunteers better as a whole or to make their experience better or to even make the race experience for the company better using their volunteers? I mean, what are some things we can kind of improve upon? Well, I think the initial like knee jerk one, a lot of people say is like, let us use our codes properly like they used to be. Uh, that's like kind of the, in my opinion, that's the first initial like knee jerk reaction of like, hey, if you kind of let us sign up for age group and stuff with our codes and not have to pay this extra amount, uh, that would be fantastic. You would see a lot more of the people who actually know the obstacles on course and monitoring racers. The other one I would say is also the shorter shifts. Because not everybody, this day and age, not everybody has eight and a half, 12 hour commitment anymore. Because if you look at races, you have the travel time on top of it. You have money you're spending to be there. It's it's a lot. So giving up 12 hours of your day for a t-shirt or a hoodie, is it seems it's a lot. Yeah, we definitely need to increase the appeal within the race brands. There should be a way to get more elite and age group racers. And if you're not allowing them to use their codes for their heats, they're not going to stick around. Um, you know, we, you need to continue to stress that like you can try out the obstacles when you don't have racers around or, you know, that time out on the course is going to make you better as a racer. I also think that as race brands, we need to be stressing being a volunteer to not only the racers, but the spectators. I know that I personally, I've asked family and friends to come out and watch me race numerous times, and I get the same response. I don't want to just stand around and wait for you to cross the finish line. So it's like, if I were to see my family or friends at an obstacle or at a water station midway through the race, that would really boost my um, spirits. They're then, yes, helping me pay for races. But they're also giving that boost to everybody else. They would have a deeper understanding for the sport as a whole. If they could see us actively out on the course and not just be standing around in a festival area waiting for us to cross a finish line or to swing across the obstacle that's right in front of them. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that actually is something that Savage has been doing really well. Again, I'm going to sound like a Savage fanboy here, but it's true. I mean, it's something that they've done really well and kind of what both of you guys were just hitting on there is, you know, kind of the morale, right? That's what really helps with a, you know, volunteer experience and what creates and generates more volunteers is having a good morale around it. That's something that Rachel has done really well. Um, she posts every time that all of her volunteers go off. One, she takes a picture with all of her volunteers after their shift with everyone together. And then she live streams the actual volunteer wave going off and basically takes you know, the extra time to thank them and then live stream it to the actual race brands, you know, uh, social media platforms. And I do understand that Spartan is a much larger brand and has a large market, um, you know, a large market share versus Savage. So it's probably a little bit harder for Spartan to do that maybe. Um, but it just kind of like reinforces their importance, right? Because without volunteers, it doesn't matter which race brand it is without the volunteers, the race honestly couldn't happen. So I think, you know, kind of highlighting them a little bit in those regards really generates a better experience. And that's something that I think can be approved upon with every race brand. Although Savage, I do think does it a very, you know, a good job of it. Obviously there's always room for improvement. They can do it even better. But I think that's something that most race brands should really start to look at is highlighting their volunteers a little bit more and basically saying, thank you, because without you, we wouldn't exist. That's such a great point. And actually while we, while we've been recording, I got um, some insight from Boulder Dash, a local race here in new England 
And they commented saying, our volunteers are an essential part of the success of the event, and we treat them that way. Full day and volunteer captains actually run the course the day before. They are essential to testing the mechanics of the course. More importantly, though, we bond together as a team and we go through together before event day. And I think that's um, what we're missing in some of the larger brands is you don't get that team aspect. They don't feel as included in the larger race brands as they do with the locals. The locals, hands down, cannot do a single thing without their volunteers. And obviously, same with the larger brands, but the locals make sure to include the volunteers as part of their family and part of the crew and not just as the volunteers. And I think larger brands need to have that same kind of family vibe for their volunteers because Yes, they're volunteering, but at the end of the day, they are still doing a job specifically for you. You need to treat them like they are giving you this huge service. Exactly. I mean, they're kind of getting overlooked in some instances with those larger brands versus what you know you were saying with those local race brands. Essentially, you're kind of part of the family and you get treated as such. And that really does go a long way. Definitely. And I think we've all been, as racers, we can all attest to how you know, racers have also mistreated volunteers or spoken down to volunteers in the heat of the moment. You know, we've seen volunteers who are sitting around on their cell phones or they're instructing us to do things that we don't agree with. I mean, I've heard stories of racers throwing water cups off the table. You hear, you know, elite racers talking down to volunteers who yell at them for, you know, throwing their cups not in the receptacle bin there there is some negative stuff that comes with being a volunteer because people just sometimes treat you very poorly and i think we need the race brands in particular to stand up and start treating volunteers with much more respect so then that can trickle down from the top all the way down through the racers and putting the volunteers up much higher onto that hierarchy of importance. I think just to give some advice, circling back to what uh, I said in my in the last episode about like, I have mouthed off to volunteers in the past, but I've also gone out of my way to go and apologize to them uh, because everybody has had what Megan said, race brain, where you are just focused on that. And if someone just happens to derail you, like in that race, it's gonna, you might end up snapping because you don't have the patience to sit there and argue the rules. I mean, I've done it. Um, I've had it where I've had my bucket say it was under the level when it wasn't. And I ended up having to do a bucket carry again because of it. Um, and it was just because of the, the volunteer at the time. It wasn't the, it was before course marshals. The volunteer at the time just didn't know the rules and they had me do it all over again, or I would be DQ'd. So I did it that way. But, um, I've also just had poor interactions, but once I'm done with the race and I'm able to like seek these people out, just go and apologize. And you know what? Your apology might not be accepted, but you got to at least try because you don't want to be left off. You don't want to end up being another terrible experience for someone. Exactly. And I mean, I think that kind of is a really good, you know, kind of transition to, uh, you know, a volunteer versus a marshal, right? And I know, obviously, Spartan is the biggest one with with marshaling, but I think for any race that has a pro or an elite wave, that's where I think the really big, you know, kind of debate comes into play of having 
a paid marshal versus a volunteer for those uh, you know pro waves because just like you said um, and you as well Megan I mean we've all kind of all three of us have probably yelled at a volunteer not you know purposefully mm-hmm. to, for anything that they did but you know they'll either have us redo an obstacle or they'll say something that is you know clearly not part of the rules that we know is not part of the rules and they'll make us either redo it or do burpees and we get you know pissed off and kind of rightfully so because we are racing for position obviously there's money on the line and obviously I don't think either one of us would actually be in contention for that money. But at the same time, we do have that race brain. And I think that's where you kind of want to, or at least I want to see, you know, paid marshals for those pro and elite waves, at least just for that first, you know, one to three hours where the pros and the elites are going through versus your typical volunteer who may not even know, you know, the actual rule of the obstacle. So I, I, I mean that, I know that brings up a whole other thing, but you know, I, I will say I do think that every obstacle should have the basic rules printed out right at every single one. And every volunteer, regardless of if they're a volunteer or marshal, they should know the general overview of all the rules. I should not be seeing a volunteer telling somebody in the age group wave that they can take off their hydration pack to go across the monkey bars. Every single volunteer should know enough about the rules to be able to call this stuff out so the marshals aren't being overwhelmed with having to enforce every single rule while also pointing out all of the people falling off an obstacle or counting the burpees or making sure the camera is active. There should be a general um, knowledge of the rules. Yeah, I've, I've had that problem DC sprint, not the stadium sprint the actual sprint uh, outside. I've had that problem back in 2017. Me and another competitor came up to the monkey bars and there was a guy in the, is this age group? No, I think it was elite still. I don't know, but whatever. It's still the rule applies. He was going across the monkey bars using his feet as well. And so he's taken up both lanes on the monkey bars doing that. Like, But here's the thing, me and the other competitor, like the guy we came up at the same time watching this guy do it, we literally turned like to the volunteer and we're like, he can't do it that way. And they just kind of like stared at us. We're like, you have to tell him he can't do it this way. Like he's going to fail the obstacle. Uh, and eventually they did. And you know, some, if you are a competitive racer and you're seeing this happen, you can be vocal about it. Sure. You're going to lose maybe a couple seconds, but you never know. It might, it's going to change the outcome of a race. Granted, you shouldn't just be trying to spew out any rules you think are there, but when it's obvious, like you can't use anything but your hands on it on certain obstacles you can at least tell them that yeah and i mean that and you know for the record i don't know when you guys last volunteered for spartan they do have a laminated sheet of the obstacle and the rules the problem is there's no structure so kind of going on you know how to improve upon you know the volunteer experience and or the race itself i think there needs to be a little bit more structure across all races in terms of having kind of like a volunteer meeting with either your zone leader or whatever obstacle you're at and going over those rules and going over those things, because usually they literally take you there in a truck or you walk there or they take you in like a four wheeler or something, give you a walkie talkie, say, if anyone, you know, falls and dies, call us and drops you off. They don't even go over those rules. Meanwhile, the sheet's there, but that doesn't mean every volunteer is going to actually actively read over that or know what those rules are. So I think there does need to be a little bit more structure, and that could really go a long way in making for a better race and a better experience. That way, the volunteers don't get yelled at because they'll actually know the proper way to do whatever obstacle they're at. 
Definitely. There needs to be more insights on what the specific roles you have as a volunteer. There shouldn't be people sitting in a chair on their cell phone while somebody is climbing up a rope or anything else. At one point I went over, I think the vertical cargo and I got to the top and I was still running open at the time. And I looked down and the crash pads were probably four feet away from the vertical cargo. And I looked over at the volunteers who were all sitting and just said, we don't know what you're talking about. Like, it's not our job to fix this. Like, no, it actually is. You race safety is directly your job right now. You need to move these closer. Yeah. And I think that actually really does highlight some pretty good insight on what should be dictated for like a course marshal. And it's come directly from a racer. It's coming from Asa Coddington. He's event director for Viking Obstacle Race. But more importantly, I would I would go as far to say uh, Asa is on the East Coast, at least. He's kind of a little bit of like a legend of a volunteer. If you've run an East Coast race, uh, yeah. you've met Yoda? Him. Yeah. Yep, everyone but, knows him as Yoda. <laughs> yeah, he's wearing the, he's wearing the, the wide hat. brim hat. Yeah, um, but he probably has... You've probably signed his hat before? I, I actually have not, but he has probably the most course marshalling experience I know for any volunteer out there. But he has some direct insight, and I think it's some of the best because, I mean, he's done it. And he, this man loves obstacle rules, by the way, as well. <laughs> so uh, this, is what, this is advice if you want to consider yourself to be a course marshal. Someone who's done races prior has a sense of what each obstacle is and going in and properly looking at, reading the rules, and asking questions of the staff to clarify. Be encouraging, but also be a marshal. Stay focused on the task and deliver the same quality oversight for all of the races. They all pay for a fairly officiated race. If you make a decision, know that you're basing it off of and stick it with it if you're sure. Let the review process handle it. If you're unsure and there isn't clear footage to back it up, give the benefit of the doubt. Far too often, the marshal position is filled with a newer racer or a person that may not even volunteered before. That, in my opinion, is a detriment to the whole process. Marshals should be knowledgeable of the event, the process, the completion methods, failure metrics. That doesn't happen when a new racer to the, with a new racer to the sport. And I think that is like the perfect, like, I feel like Spartans should take that and just put it on their page. Because <laughs> that's exactly yeah. what a marshal needs to be. They need to be someone who, we've said it many times already in this episode, needs to be someone who's done the races before. You know these obstacles. And it's not just like, oh, I know monkey parts. No, you know every obstacle that is out there. So a few years back, um, I talked to Asa many times about what should be done. And I've always thought that there should be a kind of hierarchy with volunteering. So, you know, you have to volunteer for five races a year for a couple years before you're even allowed to become a marshal. And, you know, there should be a newbie volunteer and then an experienced volunteer and at every obstacle you should put an experienced volunteer and a newbie volunteer so then that newer volunteer can learn from the experienced volunteer and then after so many times of volunteering you have the opportunity to test out and become a marshal and then a newer marshal should work underneath somebody like a Danette uh, Jess Franco who is a paid marshal for a certain event and there you need to work your way up before you ever get the opportunity to put that marshalling shirt on. 
I don't care how many races you've run. Like if you're somebody like a Mike and Sam at Tough Mudder and you're doing more volunteering than you are racing. Awesome. I know that they know their rules of their obstacle. I don't care if they are physically out there racing, but they are physically out there volunteering. If you are physically out volunteering for a race and you know those rules and you have shown that you exemplify everything that Spartan or Savage or whoever else is looking for, you should be able to move up into the higher ranks as a volunteer. Exactly. I mean, it kind of goes on consistency too, right? I mean, I know that's one thing that I really struggle with being a marshal is, you know, obviously, again, this is race specific to Spartan, but one of the things about being a marshal is you're obviously there making sure that people are doing their burpees if they fail for, you know, the elite and age group. But then afterward, you have to pull the cameras and go and count every single person's burpees to make sure they're doing the right amount of burpees. That's where things get a little bit convoluted because there's a lot of different ways, you know, at least in everyone's eyes of what is the correct form of a burpee and if that's a rep or not. Uh, I know, you know, sitting next to a couple other marshals that have never even done a Spartan race, but they were there marshalling with me, counting burpees on the cameras. They were either repping people or no repping people based on what their own preference was. There was no consistent kind of, you know, standard for a burpee. So people were getting penalized and that can really you know, play a part, especially in the elite waves. Like my friend, Mark Falcone, he was going to come in, I believe like fourth or fifth at one of the stadium races. And he ended up getting a full DQ because whoever was counting his burpees said that they weren't fully raised. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Whereas the person next to him literally did the exact same thing, but somebody else was looking at their burpees and he got no penalty. So that's a whole other debate. I'll save that for another time. Maybe I'll do it on my channel, but there definitely needs to be a little bit consistency. And it does go into what you were saying, Megan, about you know, having a hierarchy of someone who knows what those standards are, knows the rules and knows the correct procedures and forms of either the burpee or the obstacle or what have you, because that can really change the outcome of somebody's race. Definitely. And um, we actually posed this on our Instagram today because I think, Derek, you brought up about your experience with marshalling during a ultra at the Olympus yeah. and how much of a shit show that was. Personally, yeah. <laughs> I don't understand why we don't have a marshal for age group, a marshal for elite, and then a marshal for the ultra age group elites. Each individual race category, whether you're age group, elite, ultra age group, ultra elite, um, there should be somebody specifically for that and that alone. If you have a marshal there only for elite, as soon as the elites go by, you pull that camera and you still have that age group camera there and you still have that age group marshal there. The elite marshal is counting those burpees. They get that awards done as quickly as possible. And then the age group marshal comes in. The elite marshal is already out of the way and they can get right into counting those burpees. Right. And I mean, they kind of do that and they kind of don't. So what you're going over. So I was a course marshal for Olympus at, I believe it was the Jersey ultra. It was not last year because last year races didn't happen. So 2019, I keep thinking, I keep forgetting it's 2021, but yeah, um, that was a fucking nightmare. It was me and one other person. And literally we had to get rid of the actual burpee pit itself because you had the elite ultras you had the age group ultras and then you had the elite beasters and then the age group beasters. And obviously ultras are running through twice. So there, I mean, at any given time, there was at least anywhere between 20 to 40 people 
in the burby pit and you couldn't even see everybody on the camera. So then they, they do swap out cameras between elite and age group so that they can get those results in, you know, done in time. But when you've got like 40 people in a burpee pit, I mean, good luck counting everybody's burpees. You literally have to go and rewatch every single person that goes into that pit and rewind and rewind. I got to the point where I got so fed up with it. I went up to, I think it was Jess Franco and was like, I'm fucking done. Like I'm out of here. I've been watching people do burpees for over four hours. I can't keep doing this. Like it's impossible to keep track of everybody. And that kind of goes to what I believe Chun and a couple other people were saying of why you know, just because of the way that the race is structured in terms of different race series, it does make it a little bit easier with the whole bands over burpees thing. But again, I won't go into that fully, but it does, it just makes it a little bit easier on those marshals because it adds a whole other element to it. But I digress. We want more penalty loops. Yeah, please. Yeah. The marshals and the volunteers appreciate it. Asa brought it around that it was, uh, he even says Spartan is the only company on a national basis that has a competitive series from venue to venue with large prize money involved. So they don't have to compete with other companies to see who's the better company to handle the aspect. It's kind of a detriment to the sport. And I mean, like, yeah, it literally circles back to what we said. If we were to actually have a concise penalty, obstacle completion, whatever it is, we would get a little bit better handling of stuff like that when it comes to being a volunteer or at an obstacle yeah it's too much money on the line for such a subjective type of penalty yeah if we want it to be a sport we can't like we have to figure out what our marshals are going to be we can't just have like like you suggested we have people who can work up to that we can't just have everyday people who just want the free race showing up and being in charge of the obstacle if we want it to be a full concise sport with actual rules enforced and fairness we're gonna need people who are knowledgeable so hypothetically if we were to institute a hierarchy and let people work their way up in ranks as volunteers what advice would you guys give these volunteers is there anything in particular that really sets them apart as a solid volunteer is it that we're looking for people who are wanting to be course marshals or just be a good volunteer in general just a good volunteer in general. Say they want to work their way up in hierarchy to become course marshal. They want to win that Tough Mudder MVP award. They want to be listed on Mud Run Guides, top volunteers. What advice would you give them? If you're going to want to be a course marshal, you got to run and know the races. But if you're just looking to be a great volunteer in general, you got to bring it. You got to like, you can't just sit there and hand out waters and stuff. You have to you have to stand out. You have to keep the energy going. You have to give the experience that you want out of a race. Like you want to be able to be that person to where, say if you are working like Vermont ultra beast and you're in that afternoon heat and you see that one racer who is just on their second lap and they're dying. But you want to be able to be that person that sees them, spots them in the distance, starts yelling and pointing at them like, Hey, you got this man, come get this water type stuff. You want to bring that energy and that's kind of how you stand out. You want to be able to at least make the smallest amount of difference. And I think that's like what makes volunteering the best. Sandy Re online actually gave an awesome little tidbit. She said, if you still have a clear voice at the end of your shift, you've done something wrong. You should be yelling, screaming, motivating, cheering every single person on. Um, it, it's not about standing there to make sure somebody is getting over an obstacle safely and continuing on. It's about being there and cheering them on and picking them up when they need to be picked up 
or just cheering them on because you are so excited for them. Yeah, I mean, that literally makes some people's entire race an entire weekend. I mean, we ought to forget that, you know, nine times out of 10, these people that are running through the open waves that you're volunteering for and helping, they've either never done a race or they're, you know, this is the hardest thing that they've ever done physically. And either accomplishing the race or accomplishing that obstacle could be like their biggest thing that they've done all year or their entire fitness journey. And they get so hype. And when you kind of build into that, it just creates that much better of an atmosphere for them. And it, it makes it very memorable for them. I mean, that's the same thing when I did my very first Spartan race like five or six years ago, and I did my first beast, like a lot of the volunteers made it that much better when I finished and, you know, congratulated me and gave me my medal and everything, you know, basically just what Charles says, you have to kind of bring it and kind of bring the energy and it does make it that much better of an experience for everybody, including, you know, yourself as a volunteer, but also the racer. 100%. And speaking to a little bit more of the people that do want to get into the more active marshalling side, Danette, who we've mentioned a couple of times, actually reached out to me and said, we want people who make who have raced before that know the rules and want to see them enforced. We don't want a referee who hasn't run a race and has no clue how the obstacles work or the rules that accompany them. We want people who want to have fun and maybe learn something in the process. So while you're volunteering, take the time to learn the rules, you know, learn how to complete obstacles and really be proactive in encouraging it the racers, but then also encouraging the growth of the sport. We want people who want to continue to progress this sport and to cheer on those racers to come back for another race. I guarantee you, if this is somebody's first race, they have never ran one before, they've never done something quite like this, and they don't have somebody there at mile 10 of a beast, they may walk off course and say, I'm done with this. I know I almost did that with Palmerton the first time. I was so miserable. I grabbed that medal and somebody's like, what's wrong? I'm like, don't even talk to me. But had somebody been there when, you know, I was struggling through heat illness, I probably could have pulled myself out of it and had a much better time on course. It all comes down to how proactive the volunteers are to pick up the spirits of the racers. And I think that kind of like based on everybody I reached out to and gave us input is really just, like I said, you got to bring it. You got to bring the good, you got to bring the positivity. It's not just about the free race. It's about the, it's about being part of the community and improving the race itself. And I think that is kind of the overarching theme of this whole thing. We really quite literally could not have a sport without the volunteers. Yeah, it is the backbone of this sport. Um, and I, I also want to read a little bit more of Sandy's comments just because um, I think she brings really good insight. Um, she is the one that introduced me to Mike and Sam with Tough Mudder. And then she wanted to just kind of talk to me about her viewpoint. So Mike and Sam are volunteers who don't race as much as they volunteer. But Sandy is very much a volunteer and a racer. She says, I'm such an active participant and have for almost 10 years. I think I've done somewhere around 300 OCRs and volunteered at least 100 times. There's so much to be gained from both aspects. And I don't think I have the same view of things if I just did one or the other. I get to see so many different things. The family I've been accepted into is just amazing. And that family included both runners and volunteers. Both are so vital. 
remember guys, we are one community, racers and volunteers. I think we need to understand both sides of that community to really strengthen the sport as a whole. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, I think that's a pretty good place to kind of, you know, wrap things up here. I mean, that's a pretty good ending to our volunteer story. So, I mean, basically, you know, just what you were saying at the very beginning, Charles, I mean, volunteering is the backbone of all races and all race communities. I mean, that's the whole, you know, realm of possibility of why races are even able to happen. Okay, then I guess we'll be seeing you guys next week. My name is Maggie BATC. I'm the OCR trainer. And my name is Derek Rosansky, otherwise known as your obstacle activist. You can also find me on Instagram at obstacle underscore activist, as well as my dying YouTube obstacle activist. I am Charles McDonald. You can find me on Instagram at sabertooth underscore OCR. That is S-A-B-R-E-T-O-O-T-H underscore OCR. And that's about it. You can follow us on Instagram at middle of the pack pod on Facebook, middle of the pack pod. We have a Twitter mid pack pod. Um, really only things that go up on our Twitter is our actual podcast or episodes that are being hosted. Remember we are posting every Thursday and then leading up to, we record on Sundays. So between Thursday and Sunday, we're usually submitting our topics for y'all to kind of cue in on. Um, so definitely listen, download, subscribe, rate, review, all those fun stuff as usual. Share us with your friends. Main that as well. Spread the word. Um, and we will catch you next time.